A lot of times when people sign up for the TSP, they think, well, now I have to pick investments and it gets so complicated. Nope, it doesn't. Like, even if you pick the total wrong one, you're still earning something on that money and it's a great start. The moral of all these stories is spend less than you make and save for the future. You're listening to the Expertish Podcast. Be sure to head over to iTunes or Spotify and tell Jay what you thought about this episode. Expertish is where you can learn how to invest from those who have, those who are, and have some fun along the way. Are you ready to start? Okay, today we've got as guest Lacey Langford, and she is the military money expert and also host of the Military Money Show, a podcast that covers gosh, so many different subjects when it comes to the military financial side, doesn't it? Yes. First, thanks for coming. And then secondly, like if you can tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to doing what you're doing. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, Let's see. I grew up in the military. So I grew up an army brat and then I decided to follow in my father's footsteps and my grandfather's footsteps and go into the military. But I chose the Air Force and that's where I met my husband. So then I became a military spouse after I came off of active duty. And then I developed this financial expertise. That's what I wanted to go to school for. That's what I started to go back to school when I was on active duty and then finished that up after my service, but then, you know, military life, um, kind of through, um, a wrench in my plans for my career, which it just made it difficult to be working in the financial professional space as a military spouse with my husband's constant deploying and, you know, every other year. And then the year that he's home, they're always training, things like that. And so I just decided one day I was going to start my own business out of frustration of being a military spouse. And so I was like, I'm going to you know, do a coaching business. And I was like, well, I got to have a website so people can find me. And then I was like, I got to put some stuff on there so they know that I'm competent. And then it has slowly evolved from there. I started, you know, coaching more people, doing more things on my website, blogging, then doing the podcast and working with brands. So it's just all came out of military life, but has become something, you know, really cool and bigger than that. I love the part of the story too. And I feel like this is something that comes from a lot of veterans is there was a need. That's how it started out of frustration of a need, right? Something was right. lacking and you're like, Hey, I can, I can do better than what's going on now. And then you did something about it, took that action and went and filled a gap. Yeah. It's always like, how bad does it have to get for you to do something? And that's where it got. I was like, you know, mm-hmm. am I just going to sit around and complain that I can't have the career that I want making the money I want? Cause I were, you know, we made a lot of sacrifices right. for my school and the things that I have accomplished. And so it was like, if I want to take control of my career, I'm going to have to take action steps. And that's really right. where it started was like, I'm going to do something about this instead of, you know, complain about it. Right. And well, and like you said too, the cool thing is you have a, a very unique perspective, I think, because you've been the military child, you've been the active duty member, you've been the military spouse. And now, yeah, you've just covered all aspects of that. So you, you get to see a little bit of, because I think that sometimes for like for myself, my biggest you know perspective is going to be from the active duty member and then transitioning to this after retirement, whereas uh, it, it is definitely different. There's different struggles in each each role of that, isn't it? Oh, definitely. 
I like to say when I coach people now that I can call BS on every front, you know, that, you know, for the service member, I can be like, oh, no, no, I know better than that. Same thing with the military spouse. Like, no, I know there's a resource. I know there's a way. And and when they bring up their kids, I'm like, oh, no, like you want to hear about like really a struggle. (laughs) You know, Um, my little brother always says he doesn't want to hear anybody complain. He went to three different high schools. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's just, um, but yeah, each, each, I think. I call it the life cycle of the military. I've definitely experienced it all. I was just shy of born into it. And then uh, my husband retired. I saw my dad retire. I separated. So I've gone through these this whole life cycle and experienced it one way or another. And I think it is very helpful in what I do because all of those things impact people financially, separating from the military, your military career, the rank that you are between enlisted or officer, um, the deployments, what that's like, the financial impacts, the financial impacts of being under and unemployed, and then getting out of the military, what that's like trying to find a job. And I've seen that from both my husband, myself, I've saw my father go through it, my siblings. And so it is definitely something that I think helps me be better at what I do mm-hmm. is to really eat, sleep and breathe the military life. Right. Yeah. That, you know, I think that's huge. And it, and it gives other people comfort when speaking with you. I know when we spoke on the phone the first time to you, you definitely have a very easy way of speaking, you know, with people and uh, make people comfortable. And then also with your broad spectrum of experience, you can speak all the acronyms, you know, you can speak in letters, Yes. understand the different ones. And then having, you know, Air Force, Army, and now like, although most of them all are all similar. Yeah there is a little bit of different language everywhere and having understand, you know, understanding that I think puts a lot of military members and veterans at ease when they're discussing things because they don't have to backtrack and explain when acronyms slip out. Yes. Something like that. So I think that's a huge key. Especially when it comes to money, that is a very intimate subject that impacts some very private areas of people's lives. And Talking to them about those things that's to say, hey, I might be getting divorced or I'm, you know, my spouse is cheating on me or I've been hurt financially, something like that. That's a very trusted conversation. And if they're really having to explain that private part, that was already hard enough. If they have to explain to me what it's like to have the stress of a deployment on a marriage and finances, like that's just like, it's kind of frustrating. And it's like, why bother? You're not really going to get it. You, you, and if you haven't been through that, you really can't understand it completely. Right. Like kind of like having a child, like until you've had one, like you might not really get like what that's like. And I, I feel like there's a lot of components of military life and the finances of military life that are that way. It's very unique. Yeah, I agree with that too. And, and a lot of times, other people, not, not due to lack of their ability as financial advisors or as mentors and stuff, but if they don't understand that certain aspects of the military, it's really hard for them to counsel and, and advise people. And, uh, and I guess just the best way, because they really just don't understand where some of those th- things are and somewhere where some of the needs are too. And that obviously spending in the military and I think budgeting and a lot of those things are very different for active military when you're coming on and off deployment cycles. A lot of things just don't flow the same as a normal budget, right? Right. There's a lot of transition. There's yeah. just a lot of, you never know what tomorrow will bring. Like you could be moving overseas tomorrow. You you don't know. <laughs> it's really, yes. Or you could have just arrived and be like, hey, you know what? We don't need you here. We need you someplace else. <laughs> right, right. It kind of made me think of something like this. 
when things lightened up a little bit out here for a short period of time from COVID. And a lot of people are like, oh my God, there's some stores open now, or there's this or that. And kind of like retail therapy and people are like, I've been locked down for a couple months. I just need to go out and do something, buy myself something or whatever. And I thought that's one of those pieces that sometimes financial mentors for military people don't understand. And now when I look back, there's definitely times I've wasted so much money but you look back and sometimes there's reasons that happen. So if you're deployed for nine months and you're not doing anything, you haven't been anywhere and you want to go take a trip and blow money and do that stuff. Like we do make sometimes silly decisions following times like that. But I guess some of the civilian world gets to uh, feel a little bit of that too, coming out of some lockdown and then they need to go out and let loose a little bit and just think of it as, Hey, if that were nine months or 10 months or something, you and you're 22 or 23, that just compounds that effect of like, Hey, I need to get out, you know? Yeah. I think it's finding a balance of what I call that in the military life, the I deserve it game. Right. And then the, the balance of comfort. So the I deserve it game is, well, I've, I'm the service member. I've been deployed for a year. I deserve to come back and get a new car. I deserve to, you know, get a new set of golf clubs or Mm -hmm. whatever it is that you have been pining for and, you know, thinking about while you're deployed, but that brings comfort. So if you really think about that, that going mentally to that spot, like, Oh my gosh, I can't wait to go on an awesome golf trip when I get back. I can't wait to take the family to Disney world. And so that is the thing that brings you comfort that you're thinking about. Right. But the problem with that is that if, especially if you're married, you have somebody else at home that's thinking the right. same thing. I, you know, when they get back, I deserve to go <laughs> for a weekend spa retreat. Right. I deserve to go on a girl's trip. Mm-hmm. So if everybody's thinking they deserve something and that ends up being a major spend after a deployment, and right. that's the problem is that there's not this balance. So you should have that comfort level that those things you are thinking of that help you get through because that's the other part of the reality of this is that what the military does is life or death. Like that is something that is a very serious business and part of that, you know, unwinding or trying to separate yourself from that situation is those things that you think about. And a lot of times there's the financial aspect of what you're thinking about. And so it's just having a budget for those things and planning and communicating if you're married that, hey, we both do deserve something. Like, I know you've been staying home with the kids and you're, you're basically a single parent. You have no friends. You just, we just dropped you off at that duty station and then I deployed, right. <laughs> you know? So there, there is that balance, but it's, it's communicating and making sure that, you know, you're, setting yourself up for the future, saving your money, but, you know, making sure you're paying your bills and then, and then living a little bit with your money. Right. And, and I think a little of that is that foresight of where you want to be, where you want to go and building that stability. And one thing, and tell me if you've seen this a little bit too, I think we're in the military. A lot of times people are very good at planning for operations And to me, like we can break that down into basically three things. We plan, you execute, and then you analyze, right? If you want to make it super simple, but the planning and analyzing is just planning for the future one. That's like, Hey, what what could have been better so we can plan for the next one. So we drilled that and we spend, you know, way more time planning for every little operation you do in the military than you do actually doing, executing it. Right. But then when it comes to our transition and taking care of our own personal lives, I feel like we are, and and I throw myself in that as well. I've made so many mistakes, really (laughs) way below par at planning for taking care of ourselves in the future um, for that stability, really, to give us that stability post-military life. Yeah. I think one thing that service members and veterans, it's 
a noble characteristic to have, but it's also sometimes hurts us is that we will sacrifice. Right. We will self-sacrifice. We understand like there's a greater good. So it's always this thought of, I would rather me suffer than somebody else suffer. Or, you know, like, you you know, you suck it up, you take it in and it's like, I'll, I'll, I'll push through this. I will muscle through it. Well, you can't do that all the time. I mean, if you think about mental health, that's definitely a time when veterans should not be doing it, asking for help. No, Mm -hmm. you know what, if you need the help, there's help out there for you. There's plenty of it. You don't have to sacrifice for somebody else to receive the help and not you, but it's the same thing with finances. You have to, you know, put your mask on first. You have to take care of yourself and your future and planning is part of that and and having contingency plans because it's not always going to go down the way that we want and you said it like that is what the military does like we are ready for plan a b c d like we will have a fallback position and your money should be that way too whether that's you know while you're on active duty how what's your plan for saving and and spending what's your plan going to be for saving and spending when you get out of the military how are you going to be earning that income maintaining your quality of life. So it should be, this would be best case scenario. Hey, I roll out, I'm making more money than I did on active duty and I got better benefits and you know, you got a job and we're living in the perfect life. But what happens if I'm not making as much money as I used to, right. you know, what does that look like? Okay. We have to make some cutbacks. Maybe we, you know, sell one of the vehicles, maybe, you know, the spouse gets a part-time job or a full-time job, you know, whatever it is, you have to have those contingency plans. And, and I think analyzing it, maybe you can't do that in the moment to help you prepare, but you can talk to other people that have been there. I mean, any veteran that's been out in their transition, they'll, they'll want to scream it at you. No, you better prepare. Like these are the mistakes I made. Don't do them. Don't do them. Take this serious. You know, those are the things. So you could, sit down and talk with people that have made that transition to help analyze how you could maybe not make those mistakes. Right. And if you just remove two mistakes from each person that tells you that, that'll go a long way. Like you're still going to make some mistakes, but man, there's definitely, I look back, you know, cause I'm three years retired now. And I look back sometimes at things people had told me and I'm like, well, I listened to that and I'm thankful, but I should have listened to this, 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 and this, Yeah, and, you know, but hopefully other people will do a little better than I did with that. But I think we all just try to do a little better than the person before us and try to pass that knowledge along as well. And I think that's basically what we're trying to do right now. What would be like probably the, when, if you have someone contact you and just from square one, what is your focus in the very beginning to try to help someone come up with that plan? Let's just say still active duty, you know, a family looking to come up with their plan, where they need to be or the directions they need to go for that stability in the future. I think the first spot is really figuring out how people already do things because that's your comfort level. I'm real big about keeping money like practical and approachable. There's no need to like try to make it complicated and use jargon. And I feel like a lot of times people want to put that out there in the world. Like, oh, I know all these like terms and make it seem like they are this financially savvy person, but there's really no need for that. (laughs) You know, you can just keep it approachable. And I think that's the part with money that scares people is that it has to be this complicated thing. No, most people can manage their own money and invest their own money. They just have to have like a basic skill set. And the jumping off part is what you're doing right now. And so that's usually the first question I ask all my coaching clients is how do you manage money right now? Like, what does that look like? How do you pay your bills? How do you save money? How do you invest money? Are you doing those things? So I want to see a layout of what it looks like, because if it's not broke, there's no need to fix it. 
Right. You know, so I'm looking at, hey, let's find the the strong suits here and the part that maybe you need a little bit of help with. And then we'll, you know, play up your strengths and get help with your weaknesses. And so that's, I think, the first part. And then the other part is goals, because you've worked very, very hard for your money. I work very, very hard for my money. The last thing I want somebody to do is tell me how to spend my money. And right. so that's not my job as a financial coach to pass judgment on how you spend your Friday nights with money. Like, you know, I always give the example of if you buy a thousand dollars worth of Pez dispensers every month, good for you, as long as it's in your budget. And that's one of your goals. Like if that's, if that's what you're down with, like collecting those, then by all means do it. Like I'm not asking, you're not asking me to buy a thousand dollars worth of Pez dispensers. Right. So I think really understanding what that person's goals are is important. Like if you want to go back to school after you come off of active duty, are you wanting to try a whole new career path? Because let's say you're in combat arms. Unless you want to start kicking in doors and or guarding doors, like that's not really something that's going to translate well into civilian life. And everybody says, oh, well, leadership, that's wonderful, but you really have to be strategic in the grand scheme of civilian world. What type of leadership? Are you talking about leadership in the medical field? Are you talking about leadership in corporate world? You know, there's all these different areas. So really understanding what you want. If you're on active duty, if you want to pay off debt, if you want to save for your retirement, if you want to save for your children's education. So it's about what you're currently doing, where you want to go. And then that's when I start to fill in the blanks. Like, hey, you don't understand how to save for your child's education. Let me explain that to you. You know, right. this is how it works. And then I'll, if you have a boatload of debt and you're telling me you want to save for retirement, like, you know what, you have got to maybe get rid of some of this debt. Or if you have a ton of debt, you haven't saved for retirement. And you're telling me your goal is to save for your child's education. I'm like, okay, that's not a good idea. You need to make sure you take care of yourself first. Mm -hmm. Who's going to take care of you in the future? So it's really looking at where I can educate and help them improve and get them to where they want to be. Right. And that's huge. And I know I've been like this in the past. Some people feel like they have to be able to do it 100% or not do it at all. And I think that's where a lot of uh, people, including myself, again, have made mistakes in the past is like you're saying, if you're looking at where you want to be and you're coming up plan, like you're helping someone come up with a plan, don't sit back and go, well, I can't execute that fully yet. Take whatever steps you can, you know, right. because you need that first step to be able to get to step two or step three. And to me, the biggest thing with as far as planning ahead, even when it comes to that transition time, even people that are thinking about like, oh, I plan to retire, plan to, you know, get that pension, which we know is not a huge pension. So if they plan ahead for that, so they do have that stability at that transition time, that equals freedom when it comes to choosing how they want to spend that past time. Even if they're still working, they have the freedom or a lot more freedom to choose what type of job if they want to work for themselves, start something themselves. And it just makes a huge difference in what you're doing, you know, post-military, I think. Yeah. I like what you said, like the one step. I think that's so true because think about it when you go to basic, you're not asked to like go run a marathon the first day. Right. You know, they're just asking you like, hey, just try to run. If you stop running, we're going to scream at you to encourage you to keep running. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <exactly>. this, <laughs> like you're, you're yeah. the expectation. If you did want to run a marathon, like you're not doing over 20 miles in one day, you're doing, you know, let's try for a mile for the first time. Right, right. You know, so you're starting slow and, and getting that first mile under your belt helps you with the overall goal of, you know, running the whole marathon. And so I think these baby steps that people can take and just little improvements add up right over time. But I think 
the biggest mistake people make in general, while they're on active duty, when they come off of active duty is painting themselves into a financial corner. So they are just maxed out. And what you're saying, it takes away their freedom. So there's no room to pivot. I know that's a worn out word, but that's the best way I can describe it is you are boxed in. You can't move to the left or the right. If you have a lot of debt, you know, if you need to spend every penny that you make every month to meet all of your bills, you, you really have painted yourself into a corner right. and there's no room for not only handling problems, but accepting opportunities. So that's the huge part is to miss out on something um, because you you have debt. And I, I give you an example. I uh, got a sweet TDY when I was on active duty to Italy. Mm -hmm. I worked for NATO and, you know, I was making a ton of extra money being in Italy and I was like 21, but I had a big credit card bill. And so most of that money that I was making on that trip was going to pay off that credit card versus me traveling at 21 single, not a care in the world, um, except my credit card. Right. But I had this massive opportunity to go all over the place and I was really limited in what I could do because... I needed that money to pay back the credit card. Right. And so it's, I think a lot of young service members can relate to that story because they have been there. It's like, oh my gosh, I, you know, am in, you know, Spain and I can't go out because I don't have any extra money. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, or I can go out and I can get one beer. Like that's yeah. all I can budget for. And it's like, that's not a good time. Like this is a huge thing instead of, you know, every Friday and Saturday night, every weekend at your same old duty station, going to a bar. Yeah. Like, hey, let's skip one of those nights and <laughs> save that. For yeah. Right. So that you yeah. can have these opportunities. So, but even with, think about young service members, it's so much easier to save money when you're single and no children versus getting married, having kids, a lot more responsibility. Right. Now, you you know, it's it's more difficult to save long-term for your retirement, for emergency. So it's just easier if like in the beginning, we just started off right. And it was so much easier said than done. You kind of nailed something to me that, that just you wrapped back around to it, in, in my opinion, where you said that we're used to sacrificing. Like, hey, we're okay with sacrificing. Um, we'll take that, you know, we'll take that extra burden. Well, when you're single, you're sacrificing and it only impacts you. And there's certain things that when you have a family, well, okay, yeah, I could sacrifice, but if I cut back too much, that's impacting children, you know, spouse, stuff like yeah. that. So I think that makes it a little easier on the, you know, cause I've been both during active duty, both married and, and single. And it is a big difference because you don't feel like when it's just you, you can do that. Like, you know what, I'm going to not do this for whatever, two weeks, because I want to take a chip at this. But when you have family and stuff, you know, you, you, you want that stability of also just not denying them. And I, and I know that's kind of a dilemma that kind of wraps into it as well. So good point though, keep yourself out of that situation and you have that freedom anywhere you go. I know my last deployed or my last CDD, like, you know, I was stationed in Japan and we would deploy from there. And I got so spoiled. Even me, I had, by this point, I set accounts up separately. So there's one, if I swipe my ATM card, um, I know my budget's good until if it says no, then I know I'm in trouble, but everything is paid and all anything I'm investing in is paid from something else. Right. So this right. is just it, really the worst that can happen is I feel bad because it ran out of money, but okay. yeah, but with being deployed, you know, like seven or eight months out of each year and getting all like cola and the things that you get in Japan, my God, when you're there, you can go out for days and just keep swiping, you know, oh, you just spent $1,500 and you're like, 
my bank account didn't go down. This is great. But sometimes what people don't recognize from that as well is that's a different situation. I'm only there a quarter of the year and I'm getting this extra money. I come back to San Diego where really the cost of living is pretty much the same as it is in Tokyo. And then you go out for the first month and you're going, oh crap, what just happened to my account? You know what I mean? Like, oh, we're not not in in Japan anymore. I don't have that extra money, you know? So just kind of being aware of those situations can save you a lot of uh, difficulty as well. And again, though, just just having that opportunity to go out and explore and and experience them was great, but I couldn't have done that because I, like you, have been in different times in my career where I'm like, nope, that's just not in the cards right now or else I can't really move forward with any of those plans like we had talked about. Let me ask you that, well, before we do that, because I don't want to forget, but kind of with the COVID stuff, one of the things that uh, is my big reward to myself is I love to travel. So I was listening to your podcast and a couple of the ones... Well, first I was listening kind of like more business side of it. And I think it was Kelly Artists. Is that Mm -hmm. located? Because I was listening about... From Millie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was really cool. Then I was like, all right, kind of listened to a couple others. Then I was at the Stephanie Montague... Yes. That, is that right? Yeah, about travel. So then I, I like I saw that one and I started listening kind of just to uh, bring a smile to my face and kind of reinvigorate because that's what I miss during COVID things, not being able to travel freely and know that when you get somewhere, it's fully open and ready to go. So yeah. that was some really cool information there as well. So I, I do like on your podcast, there's so many varying subjects to just give like hints and info on yeah. how to, I guess, live a better life with kind of on less money without spending as much in a way. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of tips on there for traveling without it with relocation, how to get some perks there and just how to set yourself up. So I like that one. That made me a little happy to think about traveling again. Yeah. Well, it's all about anything to help the military community make, save or invest money wisely. Like that's Mm -hmm. because it all goes into the greater good. Like if you can save money on travel, that's more money to put in your TSP, which you should be. If, because if you think about it, if you save money, and invest more, you really could retire off of active duty. If you think about all the extra pay, especially, you know, when you're married, if you're deployed, you're making separation pay, maybe hazardous duty, hostile fire. You maybe might be on jump status or dive status. You are getting some type of incentive if you're in the medical career field. You know, if you're a doctor, if you're dumping that money into your TSP, if you're saving 30% of your income, which is totally possible when you're single, mm-hmm. that could mean that you roll off of active duty. And it's like, you know what? I need a gap year. Yeah. I need to figure out because I firmly believe, especially the, the ops tempo that has been in the last 10 years, constant deployments or the fear of a deployment, the training for the deployments is that it almost takes a year for service members to unwind. Yeah, true you know, to just un not unravel, but just to unravel that always, it, I could have to go, I could have to do this or, you know, have plan for contingencies and preparing your career, all the things that come into military life. And if you could save up your money, that makes that transition so much more easier. And maybe you might not be retiring, but let's say you have saved up $50,000. You could live off $50,000 for a year, you know, and just figure out the career path that you want to take and something you really enjoy and understanding that whole playing field of that career path, like really taking a deep dive into, is this the right fit for me? Because a lot of times, I would say the majority of the times people coming off of active duty, that first job they take, they don't stay there. Right. 
you know, that that's, that was the case for my husband. That was the case for me. I was a lot younger. I didn't have a family then, but, um, siblings, people I know that's, it's like, Hey, this is a job I took because it met the salary requirement. Like this kept us at the quality of life that we had on active duty. But I think most people don't have the exact same when you roll in deployment pay. Sure. You know, the tax free, the hazardous duty, hostile fire, those type of things that really adds to everybody's budget every other year or whatever. So I think just planning and preparing and building up, putting that money aside can make it better for you in the future. Right. And to me, the biggest part of stability or like towards uh, the retirement side of, and being stable was to work towards making sure that I would have a jump start on passive income being, you know, like, hey, my, when my passive income surpasses what I feel my need for a salary is, then everything's gravy, you know, then yeah. you you have all the decisions. And it's really not as difficult as people think sometimes. But again, right. it takes that first step, right? And man, I wish I, I wish I um, remember the name now, but a friend of mine, a military guy that sent something to me from Colorado, sent me a podcast last week. And I wish I remember what the name of the guy that they were interviewing was, but they were talking about dopamine and how people like, you know, that do action type things like, oh, hey, these things are what create dopamine. And the study was showing that the greatest amount of dopamine isn't produced in your brain by actually the action of doing that, like jumping out of a plane or any kind of thing that you do. It's the process of that. And that, so they've learned that even taking these steps kind of what you were talking about earlier, like if you have this plan and, or like even if step one is just starting to get out of debt and you start chipping away every little time to success, like if you have five cards and one credit card you pay off, that that releases dopamine and it gets you hooked on the process. So that's what to me, it just kind of nailed scientifically to me why it's so important just to take an initial step. Because when you see an initial success, you get kind of that same dopamine release just from continuing that journey and just like, oh, cool, I'm chasing that next little chip away at that, you know, success factor or whatever the case is. So to me, that was, I don't know, that was just very interesting to me just to see that there is scientific reasons that just getting that process going gives you that reward. Yeah, I could see that. But you think the military is always training. Like there's always something that's like you're in preparation for, even if it's just your annual physical fitness test. Mm -hmm. Like that's always like lingering. Okay, well, you know, I got to, you know, I want to get my runtime down. So I got to start like picking up the pace with the running and practicing Mm -hmm. that. You know, I want to get my push-ups down, those type of things. Or if you're training, you know, to test for something for a new career path or for promotion, there's always these things in the military, I think, that are giving that fix to people. But I like the idea that you're right. Like it does feel great when you like plan and pay down debt. <laughs> yeah, it does. Any little step you take and then you just want to take the next and it gets addicting. And the next, yeah. you know, and, and when addiction is on the good path, then that's a good thing, right? Yeah. Well, let me ask you this then. I wanted to get a few subjects that get brought up or overlooked quite a bit when I'm talking to people or questions that get asked to me. And I want to get your like three points to research or consider regarding a few subjects that just off the top of your head. And you already kind of mentioned one, one being TSP, because a lot of people ask about that. A lot of people are investing slightly in it or, or want to know about it, but just really don't know what they're doing with it. So what would be three pointers you would give? With the TSP, you should just set it up. First of all, there's mm-hmm. defaults. So with that, don't overthink it, get started. That's the most important part. Yeah. A lot of times when people sign up for the TSP, they think, well, now I have to pick investments and it gets so complicated. Nope, it doesn't. Like, even if you pick the total wrong one, you're still saving for the future. 
Yeah. Like you're still earning something on that money and it's a great start. So I think going into my pay or Marine one and signing up for the TSP, if you came in after 2018, you're going to be signed up for it anyway. But I think taking that step of setting it up, then doing the research, like the stuff's just not going to fall in your lap or fall in your head. You've got to have a basic understanding of what the TSP is, what it does, the investments. If you just sit down and read the TSP website, you will have a greater understanding and that is enough. You don't need to be have a PhD in the TSP. Nobody's going to quiz you on it. <laughs> don't worry. Like You just need to have a basic understanding. So if you don't understand things when they're good, yeah. you're sure as hell not going to understand them when they're going bad. Right. And so just that basic of, hey, what's the life cycle fund? What is the G fund? Those type of things. Just have a basic understanding of it. And the other part is to stay on top of it. You can't set it and forget it. Is that you have to take the action of setting it up, do a little bit of homework, and then you own it now. Take ownership. You have to to check on it. Like, hey, has it, how much has this returned in the last six months? What does it look like? You can't just put your head in the sand and not think about it. Back in the day, you know, when the TSP was first set up, when you signed up for it, it defaulted to the G fund, which is government securities has the lowest risk, but because of that, it has the lowest rate of return. And so people were in there, no joke for 20 years and didn't even realize that they were in the G fund and it wasn't making a lot of money. Right. And so, but if you had actually taken the time to go and, and look in your account and see what's what, you would have noticed 10 years ago, hey, I haven't made a lot of money. Right. And so just those things of staying on top of it to see, is this working for me? Or, you know, you have to be able to sleep at night. Yeah. So if you're putting everything in the iFund, which is international, then that might not be comfortable for you. So that might not be a good fit. Each person's going to be different. And so getting started, having some basic knowledge and staying on top of it, I think is the key to success with that. Right on. Okay, cool. And for me, the iFund was kind of like that, allocation part where because it's kind of like getting your gambling fixed too a little bit like okay cool I, I put some in there let's see what happens you know right and and, to, and that's understanding who you are and in, in your financial world is that i always give the example of roulette if you go gambling my husband and i i love roulette he loves roulette we don't play that often because it's entertainment for us we're never really around any gambling places anyway but when we do I just want the free drinks and I want to keep playing. That's how I feel about it. So I'm like spreading my chips out. I'm like splitting numbers. It's like just everywhere is like Lacey's chips. My husband, on the other hand, will walk up and just put like a hundred dollars on red. Right. And I'm like, get it off there. Like it makes me panic. I'm like, Oh, why would you do that? Cause if it doesn't hit, you're out, like you're done, you know? And, or, you know, if it's, you know, he has a budget to play or whatever, but it's like, if you run out, you run out. Yeah. And he's like, that's cool. I'm fine with running out. Like, and I'm like, no, I just want to keep playing. So we have different risk tolerances and we know that in the way that we save for our retirements, the way that, you know, it's not necessarily play money, but I have obviously what I do for a living. I do like stocks. I like to do the research and um, learn about companies and stuff like that. So I'm willing to take a little bit of risk with that. But other people, if you can't sleep with it, like me not being able to sleep with that hundred dollars on red, like that's not comfortable for me. Right. So I don't want that, you know, in my life daily. Yeah. So really understanding who you are can help make those decisions because you could have money going to TSP, but maybe you could have money also going into an IRA where that's maybe a little bit more risky money for you. So you could do all different types of combination, but you really have to know who you are and what you're comfortable with. Gotcha. Yeah. 
good point. And it does add up quick because I know for me, sometimes there are times I didn't pay as much attention as I should have. Like if I, you know, you get on a, a deployment cycle or you, or do you back kind of a quick turnaround deployment and next thing you know, you haven't looked at it for a year and a half. And then it's like, uh, sometimes a nice little surprise that, of you know, like, Oh my God, Hey, look, some money just fell into your lap. Cause you don't realize what you're doing day to day. The little right. bits don't matter so much. As you mentioned earlier, some of those extra pays and stuff, that's a great thing too. You can double down with things like that. You know, you can add those pays in when you're not needing them. You know what I mean? When you're deployed, right. you don't need that. Ex- if it, depending again on your situation, family, whatever, if you don't need it, that's great. That can be put away as well. And it just stacks even faster. But People have to be careful because there's this vicious cycle that happens on active duty and then it really impacts you when you're transitioning out of the military. The first two years or maybe three is going to be like a punch in the face if you don't break the cycle of deployment money. Yeah. And this is the problem. It's like it's a little security blanket for people. It's like, okay, we're getting up there in debt, but you know what? A deployment's coming. So we'll get right. We'll get right on that deployment. We'll use the money. We'll pay down debt. We'll have a little bit of extra. We'll go to Disney when you get back, those type of things. And then it's like, okay, another year, we start racking up debt again. Right. And then it's like, all right, we're waiting for that deployment money to then fix the problem instead of changing the behavior. And the long-term catastrophic thing that happens is people come off of active duty. They're now paying more in taxes. They may be not making as much money because you no longer receive BAH, your BAS, that hazardous duty, hostile fire, separation, little bump in pay. Mm -hmm. And that's already hard enough. But then there's no bailout. Yeah. You know, so there's no deployment for that to happen. And it also happens to people that come off of active duty and contract for a year or two. Then they get used to that contracting money and they're like, oh, I make like 200,000 now. Right. And then you come back and you make 50 but you're still spending money like you have 200,000. Right. And so it's it's really breaking those cycles while you're on active duty so it doesn't hurt you when you retire or separate. To that point, if you've already reached some sort of stability with your budgeting or your lifestyle on active duty when you do the deployments if you're adding those extra pays though into your TSP, then you're not seeing them in your day. You know what I mean? It's not like you're recouping to to spend, but it just stacks that more in your TSP and then got compounds with that, you know, whatever gain you're getting there. So that really helped me towards the end once I kind of woke up on that side of things. I had always been big on like the real estate side, but I just was, to be totally honest, mostly just uneducated. Yeah. You know, the stock side and stuff. And if I did anything, it was really gambling again. Like I would do options and I knew nothing about options. I would just do them because to me, that was gambling. And I really, yeah. there was no research. It was just gambling. So don't do that. That's one of those don't do's that I, I guess I should throw out there. That's not how you make money, gambling options. But the next one I would say is like a couple pointers on blended retirement because that's a big deal now and something that I'm not very familiar with because it just became an option near the end of my time. Yes. I would say with that, make sure that you're getting the full match. I think they just changed it or changing it. They're going to basically when you sign up, it defaults to 3%. To get the full match, you're going to be need to give 5%. And so you want to make sure you're doing that. Now, when you sign up for the TSP, it defaults to the life cycle fund closest to your 62nd birthday, which is way better than the G fund that it used, yeah. To, yeah. used to go into. And so the life cycle funds are professionally managed. So as you move closer to retirement, they start to reduce the risk. And so it's a combination of, you know, the S fund, the C fund, those type of things, mm-hmm. some G fund. But if that doesn't work for you, 
then you need to adjust that. So if you're maybe that life cycle fund doesn't have enough risk for you that you want to be earning more, have a greater return, then you might want to make your own adjustments with the blended retirement system, how it was defaulted. The other thing is, is I would, you know, make sure that you don't touch that money. And this is kind of blends into TSP BRS at the same time, but you, you could be doing all the right things and putting the money in, getting the full match. And then you do something like take a loan out and you know, you're basically stealing from your future self right now in your earning years, you're earning money for two people, for you and your 85 year old self. And if you are spending more than you make, you're not putting food on the table or a roof over your 85 year old self. And so if you take money out in a loan, you're taking money from your future self, the earnings that you're going to have. So just make sure that you live on less than you make. Like that's really the moral of all these stories is spend less than you make and save for the future. Right on. As the last one I had for you, as some pointers on, you touched on a minute ago as well, are the taxes after you transition to civilian life, because that is a big difference, especially if we were, you know, a resident of a state prior to that didn't have state taxes. And, you know, because obviously you, you're still not paying that with your government paycheck until you retire. And if you retire in a state with high taxes in California, um, it makes, it makes a big difference. Yes. Well, you're paying more and then you're not getting that big check at yeah. the, you know, your return, which is really your money. But so there's, there's multiple things that go into the hard slap in the face you get when you come off of active duty. It's just, if you have gotten the cycle with, and you have a lot of debt, you're not making as much money potentially. Um, because if, especially if you don't retire yeah, and you had your medical benefits paid for on active duty for you and your entire family, and then you separate and you're paying more money in taxes, you're not getting that boost with deployment money. And now you're paying a thousand dollars a month in medical benefits for your family. Right. Like that really impacts people. They don't understand those things that they don't necessarily see all the time and, and find benefit in the military. And it's other little things too, like getting free stuff, like, you know, a free Christmas tree, right. you know, free backpacks for your kids for school or um, childcare. I know in the army, you know, sometimes with the deployments, they'll give you a certain amount of hours of childcare while your spouse is deployed. And it's like, that's wonderful. They'll also give you discounts on children's sports on military installations like ballet or tumbling, whatever. And it's those little things that you always had extra help with right. your financial life in the military. And, um, and then that really has an impact when they all kind of come to a head after you come off of your service. And so I think it's just getting a lot of money saved before you separate or retire is a huge deal. Right on. I agree. I agree. We're preaching to the choir. We're preaching to the choir. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, sometimes people just need that little bit of kind of reassessment or remotivation or just confirmation that, hey, you're doing the right. Because sometimes that little bit of sacrifice, it seems like a bigger sacrifice than it is when you're trying to chip it away or something when you're looking further down the road. Because it's hard. I love the way you just phrased that, your 85-year-old self. When you're like 25, it's especially hard to think of an 85 because you just don't yeah. think past... 35. I mean, right. I, I was 25. I'm like, ah, I'm basically dead at 35, right? Like, right. I don't even live that long. So now, you know, it's hard to look that far down the road. So sometimes it's just good to get that confirmation that, hey, you know what, these little things are going to make that big difference down the road. Oh, yeah. Well, because if you think it's hard on active duty right now, financially, like it's, it's going to be brutal for you in civilian life. And it's not just you. I mean, if you're single, then it's, it's different. 
again, you, you can have that suck it up factor. You can live off a ramen for months. Like, but if you have a family it's different, it's not just you making a a complete lifestyle change. It's your entire family. Your, your spouse's identity is military life as well. So is your children. And so you're not only helping yourself through this, like, it's not a crisis, but it is a definitely change in your identity, especially if you have served 20 years in your high ranking and you come out and you go to a civilian company and you're a low man on the totem pole. Yeah. So that's a whole nother humbling experience. And if you're having that and you're trying to get your spouse, you know, in a new location, new job, get your children in school, or if they're going to college, there's all these transitions. So it may be not fun to make sacrifices now, but they will help you so much in the future. And it's not just helping yourself, you're helping your entire family. Yeah, absolutely. That's huge. And I appreciate everything you're doing. That's awesome. The the information you're getting out to everyone. So I definitely appreciate that. I think it's much needed. And I I definitely recommend anyone to check out the Military Money Show. And that's Lacey's podcast. Entertaining too. You just that you speak very easily and, and it's very comforting and not preached to feeling. So I think that a lot of people will respond well. So please check that out. And then how else if someone wanted to get in touch with you, Lacey? You can reach out to me on my website, LaceyLangford.com. I also have articles on there, things that I think are important for people to understand about like understanding your LES, the Service Member Civil Relief Act, your security clearance, and the impact your finances have on that. So I cover a lot on the blog as well. So LaceyLangford.com. Awesome. Well, Lacey, thanks again for taking your time today to talk to us. I'm sure I'll have to reach out to you again as I get more questions that I have no clue on. And hopefully we can get some more advice and hear from you again. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thanks.